Welcome back to the Wind Daily Podcast for today, Saturday, the last day of August, August 31st. I am Scott Engel. I am the king. I am fantasy here making his debut on the Wind Daily Podcast. Newest member of our team is veteran fantasy uh, writer and DFS expert, Antonio Darkangelis. Antonio, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for bringing me on board. You know, we yeah. worked together years ago, and I'm excited about doing it again. Yeah, good, good to have you back. So let's start with fantasy football because it's a big draft weekend. And people, uh, as they get ready for their drafts, always ask, should I start running back, running back? Should I start wide receiver, wide receiver? And it really depends on where you, what your position is in your draft as to what your first pick is. But when it comes to having a design, you can have a loose uh you can have a loose approach in your mind, but there's really no certain way to go, especially when every draft is different. Yeah, I think that I think that it's super important to be aware of your scoring system more than anybody else. Uh, make sure that you know if it's a PPR league that you want to be grabbing those pass catchers, whether they be running backs or receivers. And you know we have a few of them early in the draft as running backs, but. Some of those guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams, around the four, five, six spots, you got to be grabbing guys like that because they're going to get their catches. And right now we have some serious question marks uh, in those slots at running back. Yeah, that's why I go in the first round. If I'm in one of the top six slots, I get a running back. I don't even think wide receiver until seventh pick. And a lot of times running backs I like it drop it further than that. If I get a chance to get James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, or David Johnson, um, I'm go- I'm going to take it, and I'll pass on the wide receiver and try to get him in the second round. Yeah, I think that you definitely want to focus on uh, pass-catching running backs, guys who are involved in the entire offense. But, yeah. you know, where, where are you right now on the, the Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Melvin Gordon stuff? Look, I have been ranked certain spots because they have to be for people that want them and, uh, you know, people that follow me and ask for my ranks. But I completely pass on them. I I just don't want to deal with the headache. And I keep saying Zeke is still going in the first round and Gordon's going in the fourth. To me, if they were both healthy, they would be going – they would be going uh, four four or five spots, maybe six or – even nine at the most, they'd be in the same round. Zeke would be a probably third or fourth overall, and Melvin Gordon would probably be eighth or ninth overall. So why are you splitting them three rounds? There seems to be some sort of uh, perception that doesn't have any basis that Zeke will report before Gordon. Uh, the, yeah, that's their, specul- their, their speculation, I think, in, in L.A., that Gordon's going to report before Elliot. I mean, even if you look at the and the latest comments from from Jones, it sounds like he's fine with letting Pollard do some stuff the first couple um, games. But my issue with Pollard is that he's almost similar to, to Austin Eckler, right? Like the role he would play in that offense. He's going to be a pass catching back. He's going to be doing some of that stuff. He's certainly not a workhorse, and neither is Eckler, which we kind of found out uh, last year. You know, Eckler was even more. Was was more uh, productive when he had Melvin Gordon in there. Yeah, it's a good point because Pollard lit up in the preseason, and uh, you know everybody overreacts a little bit to preseason. 
And guys like Pollard get more extensive playing time in the preseason. They're going to give him a longer look. There's a very uh, good chance that he's going to share some carries with Alfred Morris. Yeah. And, and, while, and while Pollard does a lot of things well, and he's kind of a jack of all trades. He's a master of none. He doesn't. There's no real one area where he shines out. They've talked about him being possibly a one cut back, which is really important in that zone blocking scheme. But uh, whether he can do it the way Zeke uh, does is obviously. I mean, he's not going to do it like that. So, yeah, I, I think that I think that Pollard's a good guy to have, especially you know if you're looking at DFS stuff early couple weeks. You could see Pollard spiking a little bit and grabbing a bunch of maybe a few more passes than he normally would too, uh, which is interesting. But in terms of prep for for drafts, Pollard's a good guy to to take in you know those those mid to late rounds. But I wouldn't be going too crazy reaching for him right now. I see him going in high stakes drafts yesterday, like seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, and we're right with Eckler. What we saw last year is when he got a chance to start, there really wasn't any upside. It seems like he's a, uh, a guy who produces better in a complementary role. Yeah, and and it's the NFL, and it's all complicated, and there's a reason why those guys fill those roles, right? They, um, the good thing about some of these backs, and the one thing that I like to look at when, especially when I'm looking at rookie backs, is how well can they how well can they block? I mean, it's it's one of those, you're not going to be on the field the entire game if you can't block, and we've seen this time after time with certain running backs who are perennial favorites of, of pundits. And the guys can't block, so they're not on the field. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a problem with Josh Jacobs. Uh, no, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah, that's uh, and I think people are just sort of sleeping on Josh Jacobs. There's some talk, you know, that with some people that, you know, in college he backed up Damian Williams, and some guys blossom in the pros. And uh, the fact that he didn't get a whole lot of run in college makes him fresh. And uh, in an era where Running backs are devalued. He was he was the only running back taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah, they didn't take him at number twenty four to to you know not be on not be a three down back. He's going to be a three down back. I think a lot of what we've heard at Gruden has been motivational and not necessarily uh, you know causal or you know we're not going to necessarily see him uh, sit in the bench and have Jalen Richard running a bunch of plays. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, David Montgomery, I think, is a little bit overrated. You know, he had that one great run during the preseason, and there's been a lot of coach speak coming out of Chicago. But he's going to be part of a committee. Uh, I think, you know, Mike, you didn't see a lot of Mike Davis in the preseason because uh, I think they're going to use him significantly during the regular season. To your point, not saying anything about Montgomery's pass blocking, but Mike Davis is a really good pass blocker, and he's very versatile and he's very tough. I think it's going to be a complete committee there with, with Davis and Montgomery uh, split carries and Tariq Cohen catching balls out of the backfield. Cohen's ADP has naturally dropped because of uh, the David Montgomery uh, hype, if you will. Uh, but I, I don't think Montgomery's going to just end up running away with that starting job like a lot of people think. And, and sleeping on Cohen, <laughs> sleeping on Cohen could be a mistake. Because they're going to find ways to get that kind of talent on the field. I mean, we see what he, we saw what he can do. If a guy is scoring twenty-five to thirty fantasy points in, in, in chunks um, week after week, like he was for 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 a while, um, they're going to find ways to get him on the field. Whether it's splitting him out, putting him in the slot, doing some stuff like that, uh, they're going to do those things with Cohen. So you could see him and Montgomery on the field at the same time. And if the hot hand is Cohen, you're going to see him excel. I like Cohen a lot. I think I've been trying to grab him. 
Um, I don't know what his current ADP is at, but I've been trying trying to grab him about a round above his current ADP. And if he doesn't, yeah, if he I don't has get an around, ADP yeah. about of about the seventh round right now. Yeah, so I'd be comfortable taking him in 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 in, in round six as like a as like a third running back, um, in like twelve team leagues, just because I I really don't think that they're gonna completely go away from him. I don't think completely either, but he's obviously not going to be top ten like he was last year. Uh, you know, I'd still take James White over him, and I feel like James White is underrated as well. But for people who drafted this weekend, the best advice I can tell them is, you know, let the draft come to you. Everybody wants to know what take who to take at their first pick, and they obsess over it uh, so much. But the draft is one uh, very much later on, and. You know, everybody should know at this point, you know, wait on a quarterback unless you go go Mahomes, Tyree Hill, you know, then I then I'm okay with doing the connection. You know, that's for me that that's the exception to the rule. But, you know, my draft strategy is if you start three wide receivers, two running backs, tight end, unless you get one of those top three tight ends, I'm filling out my early rounds with running backs and wide receivers and then waiting on the quarterback. Yeah, I've I've done the same thing with tight end. I you know, once it got past the, the top three guys, you know, I'm looking at kind of an OJ Howard. Um, but, but if he, if he goes, then that's it. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't even mind drafting a couple guys who are very similar towards the end of your draft, just to make sure that you have some options. Guys like Delaney Walker. I mean, Delaney Walker's, he's getting up there in years, but he can still, you know, be a bit of a safety valve and, and then maybe mixing that with a younger guy with some upside like Mark Andrews. Um, who again, these are late round picks, but they could work out. All right, let's uh, if you want more information, don't forget, uh, it is the, the debut of the Wind Daily uh satellite radio show tonight on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Saturday, Saturday night, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 p.m., 1 a.m. Eastern, with Jason Mizrahi and Matt Stryker. So, uh, great news, and definitely check that out. Uh, you always come to us for your baseball analysis uh, as well. And let's start looking at the day slate at DFS. Uh, the Oakland A's are at the New York Yankees. Homer Bailey's pitched uh, mostly well overall recently. Uh, he's 8,200 on DraftKings, but I couldn't use him at all against this Yankees lineup. Uh, going against uh, – but I, you know, the, I don't think the Yankees stack is in play either today. Against Domingo Javon uh, – you know, very good start today. You know, Javon has had a, a really, really good year. Uh, maybe not my top play on the board, but he's 17-3 and with a 403 ERA, uh, and he's won five of his last six starts. So maybe maybe he's not one of a tournament play for me, but I like Javon in cash games for that. Yeah, um, Herman strikes guys out. And that's really one of the things we're looking at in DFS. I mean, swinging strike rate for pitchers is one of the most important things. Uh, and, you know, it's an interesting early slate because, like you said, if, if, you, don't, if you don't stack the, the Yankees, um, you, you can kind of look at the Astros facing Clay Buckholtz. That's a, probably a stack that you could go to. Um, and there's some other stuff, but you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent in agreement that you want to totally fade the Yankees here. I think maybe not a, a, a full stack, but you want some part of this offense. I mean, yesterday was an anomaly. Uh, 
Brett Anderson struck out one guy and went six innings and held him to two runs, that's that's kind of a weird thing. Normally when the Yankees are making contact, they're hitting the ball hard and they're scoring runs. So I don't know what happened last time. Cincinnati's at St. Louis. Trevor Bowers had some bumpy starts here, 10,400 against Dakota Hudson, who's been really terrific. Uh, the advanced stats haven't caught up with him at 9,200 here. But I, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I would probably, you know, like Hudson is one of the more underrated pitchers on the early slate. Cincinnati, you know, does hit here and there, but, you know, they're without their best stars. Uh, Bauer's been a little bumpy. I don't know if I want to spend 10400 How are you feeling about uh, this game? Yeah, that's – that's a that's a steep price for a guy who's shown some some pretty big variance. Uh, Bauer can get lit up, or he can go out there and strike out thirteen guys. Um, I, I'd be a little scary. I'd be a little scared facing the the Cardinals lineup at home because they do have some big bats in the middle of that lineup. Um, yeah, Hudson's pitched well. I don't think he's necessarily a cash game play, but he's a guy you could look at too in tournaments because the Reds are only their their implied total is only like four runs. Um, and on the early slate, that's one of the better ones. I don't think we have a line on the the, the Brewers Cubs game yet because they like to wait till last minute in in Chicago. But um, yeah, stuff, other stuff from this game. I mean, I would still feel comfortable as a one-off throwing uh, Aquino out there because the guy just the guy just hit home runs, and there's really there's not a ball yard that can contain the man. Milwaukee's at the Cubs. Zach Davies is somebody I always like to attack. So the Cubs steps is play for me on the early slate against Cole Hamels. 9,300. I'm thinking I'm going to steer off Hamels just because of the lineup he's facing. But, uh, you know, I'll go I'll go with uh, Victor Caratini if he's in there uh, at 4,200. Kyle Schwarber at 4,300. Uh, we don't know if Rizzo is going to play. Jason Hayward's only uh, 3,800. And Nick Castellanos is on fire at 4,600. So you got a good enough mix here to, to build a, a Cub stack, uh, you know, in the afternoon slate. Yeah. Um, I always watch the weather in, in Chicago to see the way the wind's blowing because that usually has an enormous impact on uh, the total. Uh, but, man, Castellanos, uh, you knew that that was going to be a good positive park shift for him, and it's really worked out. I mean, he was complaining about the park in Detroit before he came to Chicago, but I – I think he's pretty happy here. And that price on Hayward is way too low. 3800 for a leadoff guy. I would imagine that that total's got to be up around five, right, by game time um, once they have something. And, yeah, the Baez, Rizzo, Brandt. I mean, you could you could stack the Cubs here, and I don't think there's going to be a ton of people who are going to be on that. But, yeah, keep it on the weather. Houston and Toronto, Framber Valdez is back from the minors against Clay Buckles, who's back from the DL, the IL. I got to learn to call it that now. Uh, Framber Valdez, you know, maybe a mini stack here against him, you know, with some of these young bats. Uh, you know, I wouldn't use Kayvon Biggio, even though he homered last night because you don't want the lefty on lefty. Uh, Danny Jansen's only 3,300, of course. You know, you could go with the other young guys uh, as well. You know, with Bichette, Guerrero, and uh, Houston stack's probably going to be the most played stack of the afternoon going against Clay Buckholz. You can only get Josh Reddick for 3,300, uh, Brantley for 4,500, Altuve's 5,000, Springer's 5,000. The, the, the Astro stack always works well because you got some low price guys and some high price guys. Houston's probably going to be the top slack stack of the early slate. They are. And, and you know, 
in GPPs, you can combat that a little bit by just stacking the entire game because there's there's some value on the on the Toronto end. So you could you could stack both teams, try to find some some pitching value. I'm trying to check to see exactly what games are as are part of the DraftKings early slate. Uh, because I'm interested to know if they include all those like four to six o'clock games as well. Do you know if they're yeah. on there? Yeah, I'll ha- I'll have to check that out. Uh, you know, but in a second. But if you you have to, if you're if you're uh, building that Astro stack, what bats do you most prefer? Well, um, I I don't think I can not play uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, at this point, and if Toro's in there. I definitely want a piece of that uh, that value because he's going to allow you to get some of those top bats in there. But, yeah, I think Springer – I always like to use Springer because he's got power and he's got those great bats behind him. Um, you may have to choose between Altuve or Brantley and then kind of jump on Bregman uh, just because a lot of them, you know, on FanDuel you can only use four and, and, and on DraftKings you can use five. So if you want to grab Alvarez and Toro and Springer, you're going to have to take a, your, your pick between – um, you're going to have to pick two of the three in Altuve, Brantley, Bregman. Early this season, though, when uh, Buckles was healthy, healthy, he did have a few good starts. Yeah, I just I think that the talent's going to shine through here for the Astros. Um, it's a hitter's it's a hitter's park. Uh, they're loaded top to bottom. It's a circular lineup. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Buckles and. I don't know how much Buckholz has faced guys like Alvarez and 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 some of these guys he may be even facing for the first time. Uh, so, yeah. as far as the slate, it'll, it'll contain five games, which we'll be going to cover: Oakland, the Yankees, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Milwaukee, Chicago, the Astros, and the Blue Jays. And then we'll talk about that next uh, with, the, with the Mets and the Phillies. The Mets taking the first the first game of the series last night and uh, stopping a six-game losing streak, going against former teammate Jason Vargas, who's probably going to be fired up for this game. Uh, Vargas might be a decent play here, uh, especially the second pitcher on DraftKings at 7,500. Steven Matz has pitched much better than advertised, but uh, I don't want him in this, in this uh, you know, in this launching pad of a, a hitter's park, but I would certainly consider Vargas maybe as a bargain pitcher. Well, his ownership's going to be low. I mean, it just – Recency bias is going to people are going to look at the the runs that the Mets scored yesterday and kind of steer away from Vargas. But um, yeah, if you're looking at the narrative, yeah, facing his old team, he wants to get it done. Uh, Todd Frazier had an enormous night last night. Do you think maybe he could keep it keep it going? Uh, watching Frazier play, uh, I think after a big night, you probably get a quiet day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I feel that way about certain Yankees too. There's guys who I want to play after the night after a big night, and there's other guys that I, that I kind of stay away from. Didi's a guy who I, I once he gets hot, I just keep playing him. Okay, we got Zach. Uh, the other games are on the all day slate: Cleveland and Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Detroit. Uh, but we're, we're going to jump. We're going to jump to the night slate here and start with Miami and Washington. By the way, day slate we like Jermon Hudson and Vargas. At pitcher and stacks Houston and the Cubs. Uh, start on the night slate. Uh, the ob- obvious cash game play uh, of the night is Steven Strasburg at eleven thousand two hundred. Then you got pa- Pablo Lopez 
uh, you know, maybe some Washington bats here in play. You have Juan Soto at, at 5,300. Uh, you also have, uh, if Matt Adams is in the lineup, 4,300. Adam, Adam Eaton, I believe, uh, might be dealing with a minor injury, so maybe you want to avoid that as well. But you could at least build a Washington, Victor Robles, 4,200. You could at least build a Washington mini stack here. Yeah, um, I think mini stack is more appropriate than full. Um, he's a little uh, vulnerable. Pablo Lopez is a little vulnerable to lefty bats, but he's not a bad pitcher. So I don't think you're looking at a huge, huge total. So you know I'm okay with 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 the total that they have here, but I don't think that a lot of that's going to come at the expense of Lopez. I mean, if he really gets lit up, they'll run him out of there. Um, there's some other stacks I like better, but yeah, certainly. Soto, uh, if you want to even stack the middle of that lineup, Soto, Cabrera, Adams, um, or Rendon, Soto, Cabrera, Adams. Not a bad way to go. Baltimore, Kansas City, Dylan Bundy, somebody you can always attack, but not with Royals bats. Uh, Jorge Lopez, somebody else you can attack, and uh, you know, maybe a few bats here from uh, Baltimore, Jonathan VR, 5,100. Uh, Hits are Alberto and Anthony Santana are both, both playing well. Uh, Alberto's 4,000 and uh, Santana gives you the platoon split at 4,300. Yeah. Um, and just to go back to Bundy a little bit, he's kind of the perfect GPP guy, value guy, because he offers some upside. He can strike some guys out. Um, the the, the, the uh, ex-Wobe against isn't horrendous so it's not like these guys and, and these guys aren't awesome hitters i mean i'm a little afraid of solaire uh and and dozier but other than that there's just, there's just not a lot of big bats in that lineup bundy's a guy with enormous upside and you know from the, from a hitting standpoint there's a there's a ton of of royals uh of orioles i'd be looking at here um from from mancini to albert hanser alberto is a really good hitter I, he's got great back control. I think he could be a good player. I think he just needs a little bit of time. And, you know, some there is some talent on this Baltimore team. It's just they're they're all kind of like quad A guys right now. So you do like Dylan Bundy at 7,300 on DraftKings, maybe as a second pitcher there or somebody if you do, want to yeah. save yeah, money he, for the Colorado Stacks. Absolutely. He's a, he's kind of a perfect uh, SP2 um, in, in a large field GPP because he has the upside – and I'm just not too scared of the Royals' offense. Okay, Cincinnati and St. Louis, second game of the day. Sonny Gray is 11,200. <laughs> the way he's pitching, I'll use him against anybody right now. And, uh, you know, maybe a Cincinnati mini stack against Michael Walker. Yeah, um, I think ownership will be down on Gray because people are looking to fit in that Colorado stack, so you're not going to get a ton of people spending that money. Um, and, you know, if you look at who wins GPP, sometimes it's – you know, that first pitcher gets like 35 points and then you can get like 20 out of your next guy. And then it's not always that big money stack that, that wins it. Sometimes it's a it's a it's a little owned stack and then a, and a few one offs. So um, I'm, I'm not great. I'm not really too high on Waka, though. I I just I don't trust him. And, and, and I don't think that this this Cincinnati Reds lineup you should just dismiss. There's some good bats here and there's some real good professional hitters. I mean, Freddie Galvis is a guy who. I like playing once in a while because he's nobody ever owns him and he's got some power and he's a switch hitter. So he doesn't really come out of the game. And that's a, that's a kind of a little noticed thing. And sometimes in these big field GPPs, once you have a guy that's done, 
you're not racking up any more points, and it, it sucks when the guy's stuck at like eight to ten points and he's out of the game. So I don't I don't mind Galvis and Aquino and Suarez. Um, that could be a kind of a sneaky little uh, game stack here because they're they're not super super expensive. The White Sox are at the Braves. Dallas Keuchel's pitched really well lately. Maybe our top pitching pick of the night uh, against this White Sox offense. Only ninety six hundred. Uh, one of the top picks, you know, Strasburg's obviously the top pick. Uh, going against Ronaldo Lopez, who's been solid, but I wouldn't want to use him against this Braves lineup. But uh, Keiko's definitely in play. Yeah, um, another GPP guy, maybe where you you wouldn't use him in cash, um, and you'd look to some of those other uh, more solid guys like Gray and Strasburg. But Keiko's getting it done, and this is. This is not a, 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 a Chicago White Sox offense that puts the ball on the play a lot. They do strike out. I mean, they do. They hit home runs. There's some power in the middle of the lineup. But I, I, I honestly think that it, it, it makes sense to, to go to Keuchel here as your SP1. If you have Keuchel and Bundy as, as SP1 and SP2, you, can, you're, you have the ability to do just about anything you want. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Dodgers at the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Uh... We have uh, Clayton Kershaw against Robbie Ray. Uh, a uh, Dodger stack is always in play here, but probably not my top stack of the night. Uh, as far as Kershaw goes, he's definitely worth the price. But if you're going to spend up, I'd rather spend up for Strasburg. Yeah, I'd be. I, I, I'm not be. I wouldn't be playing too many Dodgers bats here. Maybe the occasional one-off right-hander. Justin Turner certainly is a guy who can uh, connect off Robbie Ray, but. Let's consider Robbie Ray as kind of a sneaky uh, tournament play, too. I mean, the guy can that, strike a ton of guys contrarian, out. contrarian, yeah. Yeah, as a contrarian play, I think that that makes sense because he can strike a ton of guys out. And, you know, you get 12 strikeouts from Robbie Ray, um, even if you get a, a couple guys connecting, even two, two, two run shots isn't going to hurt you that much if you have 12, or 12 strikeouts. And then we got Pittsburgh and Colorado, the obvious game to stack. Colorado is probably going to be the top stack of the night against Joe Musgrove. Uh, Tim Melville is the opening starter for Colorado. He's pitched pretty well. So if I want one side from this game, it's definitely Colorado, top stack of the night. Yeah. Um, in the battle of the muskrat and the whale, uh, I don't uh -huh. know who else, but I, I – <laughs> I always, I, I got to admit, I love going to Musgrove in, in GPPs as like a value guy, but this is not the night to do it. Yeah. Um, Colorado's bats are heating up a little bit. Uh, I think you could see a big total. I don't know what has been going on with Daniel Murphy, um, but he had the he had the decent night a couple nights ago, and then again last night he, he floundered. Um, yeah, 14, 14 run over under over under right now. Uh, this is definitely the game to go to, and I wouldn't really shy away from it. Uh, some nights you want to fade this stack, uh, fade the Coors. I wouldn't fade the Coors today. I'd I play pretty much anybody. San Diego's at San Francisco. Lucchese has been up and down. Not, he doesn't get deep enough into games against Logan Webb. This one has uh, the look of an avoid for me, as does Boston and Los Angeles. Uh, avoid from a bat standpoint for sure, but it's never a terrible idea to just take both pitchers in this in the San Diego San Francisco game, especially if you're multi entering. Have a few lineups where you just use both pitchers from from whatever game 
is whatever matchup is in San Francisco and then just do, you know, do what you need to do. Um, again, it wouldn't be my favorite thing because I don't really know much about Logan Webb. Uh, I, I know he's a three pitch pitcher. He's like, uh, he's like fastball change up slider guy. Um, and right now, the only issue is right now that San Diego Padres lineup doesn't have its best. It doesn't have Tatis in it. I mean, Machado is a good value at 3.9 if you really want to – if you need to save value at, at third base or shortstop on DraftKings, you can plug him in there because, he, you know, once he gets high, he'll, he, he hit a home run last night, so he can hit some home runs. Um, I just don't think that that's a, that's a stack either way. All right. Uh, so our favorite pitchers for tonight, Strasburg, Keichel, Gray, Bundy, and Gray. And our favorite stacks, Colorado. Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. And uh, thanks a lot to uh, to Antonio Darkangelis uh, for joining us today. And uh, Wind Daily Podcast will be back tomorrow with Brandon Williams and Jason Mizrahi. <laughs>